0: Can you imagine if more children were involved in things like that? Praise God. Praise God. Why don't you stand with me? If you have a Bible, I'm going to encourage you to turn to the book of Matthew chapter 1. I'll also remind you that after service, we're going to have cookies and other types of uh, refreshments here for those who are able to partake in that. You're all invited and welcome to to join us for that. Amen. Why don't we just, just pray one more time. Lord, we're thankful for your presence that we feel here today. God, we're thankful to you. You're the king of the whole world. You're the savior of the whole world, Jesus. We thank you for it. Lord, you are so good to us. You've blessed us with this day, Lord. You've blessed us with this life, Lord, that you've given to us, and we're thankful for it. Jesus, I thank you today, Father. You are wonderful. Lord, I pray that you continue to speak to us. Lord, I feel that you are already moving in our hearts In our spirits, Lord, I pray that you would continue to do your work, God, and have your way today in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Amen. You can be seated. Matthew chapter 1. I want to read a few verses that might mirror some of the things that we just saw here. As I was watching Nehemiah walk down the aisle, I was thinking about Joseph and what joseph did and and how he played a significant role just as the others did in all that uh, that took place there i don't know perhaps it's those of us that are that are men and heads of our families we can relate and identify i believe with many of the things that joseph would have been feeling and going through in that in that time but uh What I want to read here just quickly first is the encounter uh, of the angel speaking to Joseph. So Matthew chapter 1, and I'm going to start verse 19. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. Let me bring that down to 2020 English. Mary was pregnant. She was engaged to Joseph, but they were not married yet. And he had just realized that she's pregnant. And that's going to uh, affect them greatly. And it says he doesn't want to make her a public example, meaning we're going to... uh, try to bypass any of the negative feedback that would happen. You know, I don't want to. He's thinking, I don't want Mary to have to go through any ridicule or any mocking or any anything that she might face, you know, because of this circumstance. So I'm going to put her away privately. In verse 20, it says, but while he thought on these things. Everyone say he's thinking about it. While he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. That which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Now let me just pause for a second. I didn't do a lot of uh, studying and diving into this before today, but I don't know that we see the term Holy Ghost in the Scripture much often before this passage. We see the Spirit, right? The, even all the way back in Genesis 1, the Spirit of God moved on the face of the waters. But this term Holy Ghost, it's something I've, I would say most of us now, we, we hear it, use it, uh, believe on it, think on it quite frequently. It is the Holy Ghost. And just a few weeks ago, if you were here, Bishop preached on uh, in the in the setting in Acts when he, when they say, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And we know we need to receive the Holy Ghost. It's it's vital. It is a must have receiving the Holy Ghost. But just notice that that's what the angel chose to say to Joseph about The child, that which conceived in her, is of the Holy Ghost. Of, that's the essence. That's the essence that makes up that thing that she has conceived. It's of the Holy Ghost. And here he says, verse 21, She shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. Now, quite similarly in in fashion, as that term Holy Ghost had not been used too much in Scripture prior to this setting, neither had the name Jesus been used. I mean, the Lord was referred to in many ways in the Old Testament and up through to this point but not referred to as Jesus. Even if you look in Isaiah, who prophesied greatly and in in large detail about the birth, he didn't actually record the way that the angel says it here, but the angel tells Joseph, you shall call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. This is why he's going to be named what he is named, Jesus. The meaning of his name, Jesus, even tells us Jehovah has become my salvation, saving me from my sins. Now, all this was done that it might be fulfilled. Which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. That's the way that the prophet chose to word it. Or I guess I would say that's the way that God chose to word it through the prophet. He's going to be called Emmanuel. which being interpreted is God with us. Now, I I know I'm going a little slow and I'm doing this on purpose. I want you to see what the Scripture says. The the wording is, is the same when it says in verse 21, Thou shalt call His name Jesus, and here they shall call His name Emmanuel. But... One of those two was his name from the day he was born and going forward all the way till now. That's his name. The prophet chose a term to describe. This is very similar in fashion to Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. You've heard this. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And Isaiah is saying, You're going to call his name Emmanuel. And the angel told Joseph, You're going to call his name Jesus. One of those points to the purpose. I don't have time to go into all the different settings today, but all throughout Scripture, Old and New Testament, a name had a very significant meaning. And it actually was the meaning of the word. If I'm going to call you butterfly, it's not because you're as big as a rock and you hardly move. I'm going to call you that because you have those attributes of a butterfly. Now, when Jesus said, your name is Simon, but I'm going to call you Peter. Your name shall be Peter. I'm changing it. That meaning is because on this rock, I'm going to build my church. When Saul was a guy named Saul and then became a guy named Paul, it's because the meaning of his name changed who he was and changed the purpose that he was here on this earth to fulfill. And the Old Testament is filled with this. It's like the very first, whenever something happens, the first thing they they think is, what are we going to call this thing? Because we need, to, we need to figure out the name that goes with it. Who is it? Jacob that had the dream and then he woke up and he said, I'm calling this place Bethel because the Lord is here. And I didn't even know it. Well, the name Bethel means the Lord is here. When Abraham is sacrificing on the mountain and Isaac is there and he's saying, where is the sacrifice? And Abraham says, we're going to call this place Jehovah-Jireh. The Lord will provide himself a sacrifice. See, the meaning of the name points to the name and its purpose. So the angel tells Joseph, you're going to call him Jesus because he shall save his people. From their sins. Now, we oneness folks. Sometimes get a little nervous. When we start talking about names. And terms. And uh, identifiers. Because I'm just being honest with you. Sometimes we don't even want to admit that. I I don't know if I can explain what that means. And then it starts to make me wonder, does it really mean what I think it means? Or do I know what the scripture even says? But the Lord of the Old Testament, Genesis 1:1, in the beginning, God, everyone say, God. In the beginning, God, that God, G.OD, is the Jehovah. In the name Jesus that says, Jehovah has become my salvation. He, he, he took on more. Anybody ever drive out to the Terrace Heights landfill? I'm probably not the only one that's been there, right? I'm sure many of us have. Those, part of the fun to me of going to the landfill is just seeing all the different vehicles that show up and how they, what they look like, and how they're tied down, and if they're tied down. When, I, when we first moved to Yakima, that rule, if it was in place, it was not enforced, about you have to tie down your stuff, and then it's got to be a cover on it, and then you got to be able to tie down the cover. See, they, I think more and more things happen there, like, hang on, we need to get a hold on this. But just imagine, if you will, you start all the way out in West Valley in, with an empty truck, but you're thinking, I need to go to the dump. Well, there's nothing in the truck. But I'm going to start driving there, and then I'm going to pick up some trash here. And then I've got to stop over at my friend's house and help him load that. And then I'm going to go over here, and by the time you get down into downtown Yakima, you've got about half a truck bed full, but then you've got to swing over to Sela and pick something up, and then you're stopping at another place in Terrace Heights, and when you get to the landfill, there you go. You've got your full truck. That's how I see these names and attributes of God happening through the scripture. In the beginning, God. So God was in the beginning and there was nothing else except him. And now, fast forward, if you will, to this birth of, of Jesus Christ. See, there's another one, Christ. And all these terms and these labels and they meet, all the significant things. But he was God in Genesis one one in the beginning, and then he and he was referred to as Yahweh. He was referred to as Jehovah. He was referred to as Elohim. All these different types of words. And then when they say Jehovah has become my salvation, that term, that word, is Jesus. And so he didn't he. Understand the way I'm going to say this. He didn't need to be Jesus in the beginning in Genesis 1-1 before I was here on this earth and, and had sins. But he looked ahead in time and knew there's going to be this one and there's going to be this one and there's going to be that one and they're going to have sins that they need to have covered. So I will become their salvation. When Isaiah wrote it, and he called him Emmanuel, for it, which being interpreted as God with us, Emmanuel. Uh, Isaiah is is just thinking. I don't know what he's going to be there for, other than these little bits of pieces of prophecy that he keeps giving me. So he's going to be there for a reason and for a purpose. But he's going to be Emmanuel because he's going to be God with us. God with us. Everyone say, God with us. Now look at the book of John, chapter 14. This Emmanuel, God with us, who was born, and uh, as it was depicted here in the manger, and all the, the great things that happened around. Now those... That Jesus lived on this earth. He got dirt in between his toenails, just like, well, nobody here, right? But he was a man. He lived on the earth. 33 plus years. He was Jesus. He was Jesus Christ. He was Emmanuel, God with us. In this passage where we're going to read, he's called his disciples to him. He sees that the time of his departure is getting nearer. He sees that the Lord is about to fulfill the purpose. Would you believe it that all those great miracles was not the purpose of why Jesus came to this earth? Raising a man from the dead was not the purpose for why Jesus came to the earth. Turning water into wine was not the purpose, not the reason. Now, those were all things that he did. He did them with purpose. He did them with reason. But he sees here, my time is drawing near. And now he's pulled his disciples in close. To have this conversation with them. And just like he had been been doing for the past several years, he's still trying to get his message across to them in a way that they understand it and know what's about to take place and all this significance. So I'm going to read just a couple of verses. John chapter 14, verse 16. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. Did anybody here get a blanket for Christmas? Raise your hand if you got one. I'm not going to take it away. A few of us, all right? I know I did. I won one in a a work game. So several of us. Congratulations. You had never had a blanket before, had you? Now you get to... No. We got another one. I got... It wasn't the first blanket. Thank the Lord I've had other ones. But we got one. And Jesus is telling his disciples, the Father will give you another comforter. See, I use the, this, I think this is kind of a southern term, the word comforter. That's what we call the blanket. That's like the big blanket on top of the bed. There's the quilts. There's the, there's the sheets. There's the quilts. There's the blankets, whatever. And then, and then the big one, that's the comforter. So I just, when I, when I picture this, in my mind, I relate it to those blankets. And so Jesus is saying, the Father's going to give you another comforter. So first of all, he's pointing out the fact that he has been the comforter, their comforter. Another one, right, means not your first one. Another one. I have been this for you, and I am about to go away. You won't see me anymore. I'm going to depart from you. And this role that I've been playing for you, the Father is going to send another one that he may abide with you for three more years, for ten years. 50 years no that he may abide with you forever everyone say forever. forever that he may abide with you forever now next verse even the spirit of truth even the comforter the other another comforter that the father's going to give you that he's going to be with you forever is that's what the word even it's an explanation and expounding even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive i'm just i'm making sure you see this the world cannot receive the spirit of truth which is the comforter the other comforter, which is going to be sent. It, ha- it also says in my name by the father, because Jesus, the man had to leave the earth. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. The scriptures uses the word him, just like Jesus was a him, a man. Just like it uses the word him for God, the Father. And it's saying the, the spirit of truth is a him. Does everybody see that? Even the spirit of truth, the world cannot receive because it doesn't see him and it doesn't know him. Now, I'm just one more time going to make sure you see this because it should help explain a lot of what we see in the world today. It should help explain why. See, Scripture, this this is one of the most common and popular questions that you as a Christian get asked. And it's, why do bad things happen to good people? Another way of saying that is, if there is a God that loves people, why would he allow these things to happen? And when they say these things are bad things or whatever, now sometimes that's accurate, and sometimes it's inaccurate. God is not the one that would allow my car to run out of gas if I'm the one that was responsible for putting gas in there. Now, if, if I got half a tank and I know I've got half a tank and then all of a sudden it's evacuated, okay, now we're going to start getting in his territory a little bit. But I don't expect to just never have to fill my car up with gas again. And then one day in the snow and in the ice, the car just dies. And I sit there and think, why do you let bad things happen to good people? And he's sitting there going, ding. He's talking to you from your dashboard. But it says it. The world doesn't see him. The world doesn't know him. That's just, uh, that's a side note for today, okay? I can't, I can't dwell on this. This is for you to go and and pray about and read about. What is the world? Who is the world? What makes up the world? Because if I also asked how many of us are living in this world, and we'd all raise our hands, at least those of us that are connected to reality would raise our hands. I'm in the world. But does that mean I'm someone that can't see him and doesn't know him? No, the Father, Jesus is sitting there telling his disciples the world... can't see, doesn't know the spirit of truth, but ye know him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you. Not someday in the future he will dwell with you. Not somewhere in the past he did dwell with you. This is present tense, English. He is dwelling with you. I just love the fact that Jesus went to this degree to explain this to his disciples. I'm with you right now. I can't stay with you. I'm going to pray to the Father. He's going to send you another comforter. He's going to send him in my name. And you will know him because he is dwelling with you. He's with you. He is Emmanuel, God with you. And we're going to switch from present tense to future tense. He dwelleth with you and he shall be where? 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 He shall be in you. Think about this for a second. How would we have the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God living and dwelling inside us if he was still just manifest as a man living on this earth? It couldn't happen. If I said, Brother Clyde, I want you to come up here and I want you to Dwell in everybody. Go ahead. Dwell. No, it doesn't happen. That's not a human. That's not a natural action. It's a supernatural. It's a spiritual action. And so Jesus is saying, I cannot get into you and dwell in you the way that I, we, the Father, me, the Spirit, I want to while I'm here on this earth. So I shall be in you. You know him because he dwells with you. I my mind's running back to the time that Jesus pulled disciples away. And said, Who am I? Who do they think that I am? Well, some say this and some say that. Okay, now who do you say that I am? Who am I to you? All along the way, all along this walk with Jesus, he was preparing his people. Preparing his disciples, making sure that they knew and accurately knew who he was so that knowing his day and his time would come when he died and he had to leave this earth. They didn't just go away and disperse and say that's the end of that chapter. Who knows why that what was all that about? That guy was pretty serious about the things that he said, but then he just up and left and left. No, he's wanting you and I to realize who he is. Verse 18. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while... And the world seeth me no more, but you see me. Because I live, you shall live also. At that day, you shall know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. At that day. Everyone say that day. Jesus is looking ahead in time. Looking into the future. And he's saying, I know I'm with you right now. I know I've been walking with you these past years. We've been dwelling together. We've been eating together. We've been playing, swimming, boating, hiking, all this stuff. We've been doing it together. Me and you. We're going to continue to do it together, even though I'm not going to be here anymore. Does it blow your mind? We are going to continue this relationship, even though I won't be here anymore. At that day, at that day. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. At that day, when the world sees me no more, you will know I am in the Father, the Father's in me, and I'm in you. One more passage. Why don't you go ahead and stand with me? I'm getting ready to close here. Colossians chapter 1. Verse 21. Sorry, verse 27. Colossians 1 and 27. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. The question is, not just what is the mystery, the question is, What is or what are the riches of the mystery? Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you. Would you just point your finger at your chest and say, Christ in me. The riches of the mystery. Is Christ in me? The reason why Christ had to be who he was, the reason why Emmanuel had to be God with us, the reason why Jesus was Jehovah has become my salvation to save me. We we sell ourselves short if we just say Jesus came to die for sins. We sell ourselves short if we only say the reason why Jesus came to this earth was to be a sacrifice. That's very true. I'm thankful that it is. But what was he sacrificing for? Why do I need to have my sins covered. Why? To be in right standing so that my neighbors know that I'm not the same person I used to be? No, it's so that I can have fellowship with God. When I am in my sin, I cannot have fellowship with God the way he wants me to. So he's looking. He created Adam and Eve to have fellowship with him. I will be your God and you will be my people. You're my sons. You're my daughters. You are a part of me. That's the relationship. That's the fellowship that I desire to have with you. Now, the sin that entered the picture broke that fellowship, broke that relationship. And so God had to look ahead and say, what can I do to reestablish the relationship? What can I do? What can I do? They're killing these animals, they're sacrificing them, they're having blood cover their sins, and those sins are rolled forward. But you know what? Those sins are still there. They're just rolled forward. They're just rolled forward. I can't get to them simply because they had a sacrifice on their behalf. If look at this. When Jesus died on the cross and you see that the veil of the holy place was ripped into that veil of the holy place signified what I just said God saying I can't get to them they can't get to me and I can't get to them because there is this veil and it prevents us you know why because if he came in here in a sinful state he's gonna die just like that no man can see God and live I need a way to get to them And the moment Jesus died on the cross the way everyone say the way the way was made for the spirit the comforter to be sent to be in you. Christ in you. Amen. I want us to pray. I want us to seek the Lord. Lord, you can dwell in me. Lord, you can dwell in me. Jesus, do your work, whatever's necessary, to make this a tabernacle where your spirit can dwell jesus i know you've been with us i know you've dwelled with us god but it's your purpose to dwell in us god you want to live in us not just around us lord you want to live in us in the name of jesus i'm going to open these altars i'm encouraging you if you would come and find a place to pray Let the Lord know, Lord, this is a tabernacle for you to dwell. God, I want you to be in me. Come on, let's pray. Let's seek the Lord. our our houses, Lord, our bodies, a house for You, a temple for You. Jesus, Lord, I want my life, I want my heart to be a dwelling place for You. Jesus, where Your Spirit would live, where it would take up residence, Father, and not just visit on occasion, Lord, but I want it to be a place where You live. God, I want it to be a place where Your Spirit abides. God, in Your name, just as You've promised to send the Comforter, Lord, I thank You for it. I thank You for being the Comforter, Jesus, the Spirit, God, the Spirit of truth. I thank You, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank You, Father, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I thank you, my Lord. You are good to us, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, let your spirit dwell in me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just like the angel told Mary, that which is in her, conceived in her, it's of the Holy Ghost. I want it to be what's in here, the Spirit. I want it to be the Holy Ghost. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. I wanted to let everyone know that this Thursday, which is New Year's Eve, we will be here at the church. We're going, to, we're going to have a prayer meeting. We're going to start here at 9 o'clock. We'll do it later in the evening so you can have time to do other activities or what you might like. But the church will be open. We will be here at 9 o'clock. All of you are welcome and encouraged to be here. And, and, and man, if 2021 is going to be anything like 2020, we better be praying. we better be praying. Amen. I'm looking forward to a, a, a good year. A good new year. Amen. Remember the Bible reading programs back there. Make that a part of your good new year. Remember the cookies that we have. If you want to stay and partake together, you can do that. If you want to take them with you and... Go from here that's fine as well so god bless you all we love you thank you for the gift amen amen you're dismissed